Julie, this week I had a chance to visit with our friend Joe Coughlin up at the MITH lab. And Joe and I were talking about it. He was telling me a story, which I can't say is the first time I've heard a story like this, but it just kind of, you know, it was very intriguing to me. He told a story about a financial advisor that had such a great relationship with the wealth creator of a first generation business. And when I say great relationship, I mean, this advisor was invited to every family event, weddings and, and, you know, parties and you name it and served this family for like 20, 30 years. And kind of the, the patriarch of the family passed away, had two daughters. And uh, again, the daughters knew who this advisor was, but after a short period of time, I think Joe said it was about six months, they dropped the advisor after all those years. And they stated that the reason was because he, he was more their father's advisor than he was their advisor. And he wasn't addressing issues that mattered to them. And I think that when we start thinking about our clients, not just as individuals, but part of a family system, and sometimes the job of a financial professional becomes that much harder. Absolutely. And I'm with you, John. That's not the first time I've heard a story like that either. And that's why I'm so excited to hear from Dave and hear his guidance and on structuring conversations to truly be the advisor to all generations of a family, as opposed to that's my dad's advisor. So why don't you share with everyone who our guest is today on the Human Centric Investing Podcast? Well, Dave Specht is currently serving as the Director of Global Family Business Institute at the Drucker School of Management. He's an ambassador for the family-owned business and writes, delivers keynote speeches, and develops programs on topics related to family business. He has a consulting firm called Advising Generations. Prior to this role, Dave developed the Family Business Management Program at the University of Nebraska and served as National Development Manager for the Family Dynamics Program at Wells Fargo Private Bank. And most importantly, he's a husband and father to six children. And Julie, we also should mention as people are listening to today's podcast, if they want more information, Dave's actually authored a book called The Family Business Whisperer that I, I'm sure would be a, a terrific resource to look up. Uh, but hey, before we get ahead of ourselves, let's uh, let's listen in on the conversation that we had with Dave Speck about how the family unit unit is redefining client relationships. Hi, I'm John. And I'm Julie. We're the hosts of the Hartford Fund's Human-Centric Investing Podcast. Every other week, we're talking with inspiring thought leaders to hear their best ideas for how you can transform your relationships with your clients. Let's go. Dave, thank you so much for being here with us today on our Human-Centric Investing Podcast. We're delighted to be here with you. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. So Dave, in our prior conversations, uh, one aspect of kind of your specialty that really got me thinking was many times when we talk, talk about serving our client holistically, uh, we think about serving the individual client holistically. But for you, holistic means more than just the individual client. I mean, your specialty is kind of in family business planning. So tell us a little bit about the difference of treating the family as our client versus simply the individual. Well, it's normal for advisors to focus on an individual because typically the advisor wants to get to the person that is the, the one that can make the decision, the one that can say yes or no. 
And so we don't ever start with the family as an advisor. And what happens is we typically don't pivot to the family. But if you're talking about generational wealth, um, it's important that we build our practices around serving the family unit rather than serving just the wealth creator. If you think about some of the main challenges that advisors face, one is retention. And as you look at the aging client population, you know, and a, a client that passes away, if there's not a relationship with the spouse, first of all, and a level of respect and a level of a closeness to that spouse, you are not going to be able to retain those assets. The other thing I learned, uh, John, was that if you do not have processes in place that serve the rising generation and that look at what are the specific needs that they have, ultimately they see you as my, my dad's advisor or my mom's advisor, and that does not position you to be able to retain that client and, and to be able to serve them. The last thing I'll say about serving the rising generation, John, is that um, there is no better way to endear yourself to a parent than to serve their, their children. And so if you look at uh, what happens to assets, a lot of times these clients that we have, they have multiple advisors. Uh, but when we redefine the client relationship from serving a wealth creator to serving a family unit, they are much more likely to consolidate those assets when you've taken an interest in their spouse, when you've taken an interest in serving their rising generation, helping them to have a healthy relationship with money and to be, be prepared to manage that money. So Dave, I'm going to kick things off with the, the rebuttal question. Um, you know, John and I sit down with financial professionals day in and day out and, and talk about their practice and their team and, and share best practices of other, other uh, uh, teams across the country. And oftentimes the, the time issue comes up, right? I, I don't have time to be working with the next generation. They don't have the assets today. I need to focus on the clients that have money with me. That's, you know, that's where my team and I spend our time. How would you address that as we kick this off? Because I'm so excited to dig into this topic. I think it is extremely important. And, but I just want to, want to start out on that for those that are thinking, oh, I, I just don't have time for that right now. I'm already up to here in terms of my capacity. Yeah, it makes sense. And, and the first thing advisors should consider doing is taking a, a one-to-many approach. And so if you think about um, marketing, that the marketing pieces that they create, the marketing pieces that they share, uh, there's a one-to-many approach there that they can leverage and not be not have to spend a ton of time with that rising generation. But as you think about marketing pieces that get created, the industry itself creates a lot of pieces that speak about the rising generation and doesn't speak to the rising generation. So if advisors are armed with pieces that speak directly to that rising generation, then there's a one-to-many effect that they can achieve without uh, you know, exhausting a lot of time. The other thing is, is continuing down that one-to-many effect is um, to hold events for those subgroups. So one instance, we did a, a mothers and daughters event, and a lot of the, the, the daughters had not had a relationship with the advisors, and that was an opportunity to serve many family units at the same time and be able to create an experience and a memory that was connecting the advisor to, to the mothers and the daughters. Um, there's also a number of advisors that have started to invest in doing rising gen summits. Well, they'll, they will bring 10 to 15 uh, of their clients rising gen together, you know, for a half day to do some education 
And ultimately what that does is it creates a peer group and then they come home and talk to their parents about the experience that they had. So I would really um, you know, think of the one-to-many uh, opportunities first. And then as you move up in wealth and complexity, you can, you can afford to serve fewer clients, but to go into greater depth. And from there, once you're serving kind of the, the top tier clients, you can afford to um, you know, bring in a, a, another advisor to work with you that may relate better to the rising generation and to create other programs. But I think the first thing to do, um, Julie, is to start with the one-to-many approach with marketing and also with events. You know, it's so interesting. You mentioned, Dave, about the the advisor being seen as my mother or my father's advisor. I was just talking to our friend Joe Coughlin at MIT. He related a similar story where the financial professional was so ingrained with the family. He had been to all the weddings. He had been to like all the family events. And there were two daughters. And when the, the main client passed away, the daughters dumped the financial professional after six months because they just felt mm. that uh, it, the, the, the advisor did not relate to the needs that they have. So let me ask you a question because you mentioned processes. So let's say mm-hmm. I've been dealing with the wealth creator because in the family, yep. everyone looks to that person to make the quote unquote money decisions. Um, yep. How do I begin to bridge? I mean, I know you just mentioned certain kind of events or things like that. But how do I, the financial professional, begin to branch that conversation beyond just the interest of the wealth creator and those immediate financial decisions? Well, I think it's a fantastic question. The The thing that we need to do is uh, verbalize that we are making a change. In our practice, we've learned that um, focusing on just one of you is actually not the, not the best value that we can bring. And so we're bringing a change to our processes. And so we don't have to pretend like we, we know the beginning from the end but to show a little bit of vulnerability and to say, look, we're, we've learned. And what we've learned is that we need to, to add some processes that um, are tailor-made to serve the family unit. So I think the first thing is verbalizing that there is a change gonna happen in the service offering and it is, it is for you and, it's, and you're gonna love it. So yeah. you know, I think that's probably the most important thing is to verbalize that We've learned something and we're gonna change and we'd love for you to come along this journey with us so that we can better serve the whole family and also so that you get greater value because uh, ultimately they're gonna pay you the same whether you're serving um, you know, one of them or you're serving the family unit. So I would look at it and position it as enhanced value for the, for the client and what they pay you. So Dave, that's exactly what I was going to ask next for those financial professionals that have had these clients, these wealth creators for, years or decades, they've known these adult children and they haven't necessarily gone there to date. How all of a sudden tomorrow do I start to change that conversation and not have it feel awkward? Um, so I, I, I love how you framed that, that, you know, we've, we've learned some things. Do you have any other languaging or talking points that you've found that have been successful for that financial professional that, again, realizes that this really is the next iteration of their practice, but maybe has, you know, uh, has to overcome some of the, the nervousness or the anxiety in really delving deeper into these conversations? Well, there's a couple of opportunities. One is when an advisory practice is growing and when someone gets added to the staff. So that's a real great inflection point to say, 
you know what we've decided as a firm to basically change and, and improve our processes. And so we wanna introduce you to this, this new member of our team. And they were really hired to really understand and serve the rising generation. And so there's that opportunity to kind of message and, and to position that new team member as additive. And it's not a, we're pushing, you know, we're pushing you off. It's that we're adding someone to the team so that we can serve you. So again, that's that's one inflection point is when you add a team member is you can change some of the messaging. You can have an opportunity to kind of redefine that client relationship because internally you have a new a new team member. So I think that's that's one of the things. And then just just to reiterate, I think whether it's a conference or they they heard uh, the human centric investing podcast and decided that they needed to change and become better at, at advising. Um, I think showing some vulnerability and being able to go to a client and say, you know, we found a way that we believe uh, we can serve you in, uh, better and enhance, you know, the relationship that we have with not only you, but, but also be helpful to your spouse and to the rising generation. Vulnerability, it's not, it's not fun for everyone, uh, but ultimately if we can embrace it, I, I think clients appreciate it. So Dave, the conversation that you have with these families, obviously, oftentimes these are families, we're talking about wealth creators, the family business is a big part of kind of their environment. Do these conversations initially start regarding business concerns or do they usually start on more personal interrelational issues or kind of how do you see these conversations develop over time? Well, it, it begins wherever they are. So if they if they have questions about the business and the continuity of the business, whether it's a management transition or ownership transition, as an advisor, you want to address that head on. But then you also want to be prepared to talk about the ancillary things that are surrounding uh, those issues. So if they want to talk about taxes and tax minimization because they heard their friend and they they did this really cool thing and there's this technique and you know, oftentimes we do hear clients coming and they want kind of what their friends had. Well, that's great. You need to address that. But then also talking about there's that opportunity to say, all right, that that makes sense. But let's talk about some of the non-financial implications. Like, how does this affect your spouse? How does this affect the rising generation? How do we prepare to have conversations around this technique or strategy? And so I think you just start where they are, but then you're prepared to ask them some tough questions and really to get them to uh, into story mode. Dave, when you think about some of those tough questions, I'm sure there are financial professionals listening, thinking I, I, I want to do this. I, I, I bought in, but what might some of those questions be? Obviously I would imagine the execution of those has to be fairly genuine, uh, vulnerable to your point. And so it doesn't feel as if it is just an asset hunting expedition. Do you have some samples or some guidelines to those specific questions or at least themes that financial professionals might consider weaving in when they're really looking to develop that meaningful relationship with the next generation or many generations amongst a family? Yeah. So Julie, I want to give you a framework and I call this the anatomy of a great question. Um, first, I'm trying to steer clear of yes, no questions. I don't want a client or a prospect to feel like I'm interrogating them. So 
I try to economize my questions. I don't want to ask them a lot of questions. I want to make sure the questions I ask them get them into story mode and get them to tell me what they really care about. So I'm trying to eliminate the yes, no questions. I'm also not asking questions that I already know the answer to. Um, it's just not a good use of your time. It's not a good use of, um, of the questions that you have to ask them. And so the, the last one, and maybe the most important is to ask them questions that get you, that get them to, uh, talk about what is important to them, get them into story mode. Let me give you a couple of examples. Some of these questions um, will kind of put them on their heels a little bit, and there may be some silence. So you advisors out there that are listening, uh, be prepared to get comfortable with the quiet. Um, I'll just share a couple of my favorites, though, Julie. So one of my favorites is, you know, what is the greatest non-financial objective you're trying to achieve with your estate plan? So this one sets people back because you've said non-financial and you said estate plan, and typically those two things don't come together. But if you give them enough time to think about the question that you just asked them, they will typically start to talk about things of the heart. Well, I want, when I'm gone, I want my, my kids, uh, if I've done this well, they're going to continue to have Thanksgiving dinner together. Or I want to preserve the relationships. Um, and so, again, we want our clients to think of us as not only, uh, you know, the financial engineers of their life. We want them to think about us as a human being and us thinking of them and the human impact of their wealth on their family unit. So that's one. Let me give you one more. Um if you could bequest one of your values to the rising generation, what would it be and why? So again, it's kind of confusing. Like if you're talking about a bequest. Usually that's like, what money am I leaving or what thing am I leaving to my kids? But if you could bequest one of your values to your rising generation, what would that be and why? And then there's a great opportunity to just follow up on whatever they say and say, you know, how how are you strategically going about doing that? And, and how as your advisors might we support you in that? So those are a couple of, of um, my favorites. So Dave, I'll ask the hard question that we know families can sometimes be pretty messy, right? And relationships aren't always as tidy and friendly as maybe we hope. What if, what if in speaking to that wealth creator, you as the advisor encounter resistance in terms of broadening things out is it do you, do you follow the lead of that client will you bring it up you know think of creative ways to bring it up in the future will you abandon ship at that point like what do you recommend how should i be thinking about that if i if the client comes back to me initially with a i'd rather not go there well it begin it begins with the intent of the questions so if we are genuinely curious, they will feel that. They may not be ready to answer, but they will feel that John really cares. I mean, that question made me think. And so they may not be ready to answer, but in, in, in pursuit of helping them, they will feel that that question had you know, a lot of genuineness to it. So it can be that we can let them off the hook with that question, especially if they're really struggling and say, you know what, let me give you a week. And I'd really like to return uh, return to that and revisit because I think it's important for us as your advisor to just know how you're feeling about that or 
for us as your advisory team to know really how to serve you. So we'll table that, but we're, we'd like to follow up on it. So there's different ways. Um, I think you do need to give them a proper amount of quiet during the meeting. But if they're really struggling, I, I do think you need, you know, you can, you can table it. Um, but it all comes back to, can they feel that you genuinely are curious about their life? And if they feel that, you know, they will likely let you in. So Dave, it's time for us to put you on the spot because Julie and I are naturally curious people. And our process includes something we call the lightning round. I mean, after all, we're on the Human Centric Investing Podcast and we're curious outside of the topic we discussed today to learn a little bit more about you. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions and I want to hear the first thing that comes into your mind so that we can learn a little bit more about who Dave is. So you ready? I'm nervous. <laughs> Don't be nervous. All right, here we go. On a scale of one to 10, how good of a driver are you? Eight and a half. <laughs> What's your favorite holiday? My favorite holiday is Christmas. I have six kids and just the magic uh, in their little faces is something that I just love. Are you a morning person or a night owl? I'm a morning person. I wish I could sleep more, but yeah, early mornings is I wake up and my mind goes. And so I just need to get back, get out of bed and get to it. Dogs or cats? Kids. We don't need dogs or cats. We have six kids. <laughs> uh, what is something you could eat for a week straight? Ooh, a week straight? I love lasagna, but I don't know. I don't know what I could eat for a week straight. All right, two one. more: Be beach house or lake house? Lake house. I like the quiet. I like the quiet of the the lake house. Last one: iPhone or Android? <laughs> I'm an iPhone guy. Ah, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> well, thanks for participating in the lightning round. Always great to hear those answers. Uh, Julie, any final Thanks. questions or comments for Dave? Well, Dave is someone that uh, has four generations of my family with the same financial professional. I can speak with a lot of conviction that it is a special relationship and it's something that we all treasure. And I think we all feel very valued for our unique contributions, but um, I, I can't encourage the conversation enough. And it sounds like for those financial professionals willing to be a little bit vulnerable to ask some great questions and then get comfortable with the silence that this could be an incredible way to really deepen relationships, grow the practice and the team by paring down households. So we can't thank you enough for your invaluable advice and guidance today and, and some of the specific questions that you've shared. And I'm hoping that all the financial professionals with us today feel the same way. So thank you so much for joining us on our Human Centric Investing Podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Hartford Funds Human Centric Investing Podcast. If you'd like to tune in for more episodes, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, or YouTube. And if you'd like to be a guest and share your best ideas for transforming client relationships, email us at guestbooking at hartfordfunds.com. We'd love to hear from you. Talk to you soon.